1: What's up everybody? Welcome to week nine of the Big East Barroom off-season edition, media day edition. Ryan, I just spent an exorbitant amount of time with you. How are you?
0: Um, tired. Tired. This was one of the longest days we've had. This was a 5 a.m. starter for us to get down to Grand Central, to get down to Madison Square Garden. But we're home now. We're going to record this podcast and then we're going to sleep.
1: We walked the wrong way to Grand Central for a little bit today. We um, almost missed a train. We had to book it, but it was still a rewarding day. Right? Big East Media Day, everything you thought it would be?
0: Yes. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. It was really awesome. I was surprised at how much time you could get one-on-one with these players and coaches, how many questions and follow-up questions you were able to ask them and, and really get into the nitty-gritty about, you know, offensive and defensive philosophies and schemes and, and w- what they see their team shaping up as for this coming season.
1: Yeah, and I think um, to paint the picture of what it looks like, basically, because we had no idea going into this what it would look like, they used the floor of Madison Square Garden as a stage. So that's where, you know, the main action is happening. Um, You know, you walk in and you're pretty much where the court side seats would be sitting. Um, Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, gave some remarks. She talked about, you know, the longevity of the Big East. Um, She talked about how proud she was. You know, she gave a lot of really good, you know, sound clips. Um, And then basically what happens is every team had about three student athletes with the coach. Um, and they spread out to chairs and tables that are all lined up right next to each other. So um, in reality, it was a little bit difficult sometimes because let's say Kim English, for example, we were talking to today and I wanted to ask Devin Carter something, but Kim English and Devin Carter are literally sitting right next to each other. So it, you couldn't really talk to multiple people or talk about that person with the coach. Cause they're literally sitting right there. But like Ryan said, the availability of the players, especially in some of those Midwestern schools like Marquette, Xavier, Creighton. I mean, we were able to have full-on conversations with Trey Alexander, Ryan Cockbrenner, um, and, you know, just kind of free-flowing conversations. And it was really a lot of fun. The amount of access, I mean, I wasn't sure what to expect.
0: We just want to make it clear that this was only possible for us because of you guys, the listeners who supported us, Um, who interact with our content, who like us on Twitter, who follow us on Twitter. The only reason we were able to get media passes for this is because you've made us a name that some of the people in the Big East media have heard of, and so they gave us passes. So all credit goes to you, and we're so grateful for you guys.
1: So the way we wanted to – and, yeah, I echo everything Ryan just said. Um, The way we wanted to structure this show was we want to kind of, like, bring you guys into it. We went to talk to them. What was the vibe like for each team? We're not going to break down X's and O's and non-con or anything like that. We're going to tell you, hey, we talked to Tyler Colick for a little bit. This is what he said. Yeah, and um, I think before we get started, and this leads into where we're starting. Big East um, released their preseason poll this morning and their honors um, and their reward predictions. Um, did anything stand out to you from that? Or you want to? We want to run them down. Um, and maybe the awards. We're going to run through
0: the first and second team first, and then we'll go through the preseason rankings.
1: Yeah, go for it. So, first team, player of the year, Tyler Kolik, who is included in the first team. Remember, the Big East does it differently. They have five players, or they have six players on their first team. One is the player of the year. So, I saw that going around a little bit. No, he is obviously included on the first team. You had uh, Bryce Hopkins, Ryan Kochbrenner, Joel Soriano. Justin Moore, and Trey Alexander rounding out the whole first team. Right, you got my second team for me?
0: Yes, the second team was Donovan Klingon, Baylor Shireman, Oso Iguodaro, Cam Jones, and Eric Dixon. And then they threw on three honorable mentions, Alex Carabane, Devin Carter, Zach Fremantle. Tyler, any quick takeaways?
1: Uh, We talked a little bit about Zach Fremantle. I thought the Big East should have, even though Maybe some of these award predictions were sent in before um, Fremantle's injury. I thought the Big East had enough autonomy to just say, hey, Fremantle's out for the year. We're going to go to the next person. honorable mention. Um, I think that the debate whether Soriano or Klingen is first team is going to be something that um, goes through a lot. Soriano was a really good player last year. Ceiling, I'll go lean Klingen. What I've seen so far, body of work, I've linked Soriano. So I think that's the biggest debate right now, which one of them was first team.
0: And if you target college production, Joel Soriano um, may end up being more productive in college. Donovan Klingon has a higher NBA potential, according to NBA scouts. I'm not an NBA scout, but that's what they're saying right now. Um, I don't. I, I think it's fairly reasonable across the board. I don't think there's any big surprises here. Certainly, nobody went out on a limb, but no major snubs. Maybe Devin Carter not make it into the second team. just being an honorable mention might be a uh, one that jumps out at me.
1: Yeah, and they're always reluctant to put a transfer on there, but a name to watch Jordan Dingle. I mean, a player who was electric last year in the Ivy League. Um, you know, so we'll see. And then Stefan Castle was named Freshman of the Year. That one kind of is between him and Garway Duell to start the year. Um, maybe Solo Ball throws his name Finley Bizjack people are high on But it pretty clearly Stefan Castle before the year starts
0: Number 9 ranked recruit in the country um, And having You know you're judging people for Never playing a game in the Big East that's Freshman of the year Just go by recruit rate rankings I think that's completely fair I think if it was between like If Castle
1: wasn't there It would be an interesting conversation Between Dual and Ball Who are ranked I believe right next Literally right next to each other so it would have been interesting if I could see the second-place votes. I'd be
0: more interested than in the
1: first-place votes there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. All right, and then do you want to go over to the teams? We're going to do this in order. We're going to run through each of the teams, as we always do, three minutes on the clock. And we're going to start with your number one preseason-ranked team. We'll run it all the way to 11.
1: Yeah, so um, only two teams received first-place votes. And uh, Marquette, Golden Eagles, rightfully so, first team. Right. The first thing that stuck out from Marquette on media day, they brought their whole starting
0: five. They were the only team to bring their whole starting five. You had the four returners plus David Joplin and Olivier Max's prosperous spot. Wow. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was a little bit of a message from Shaka Smart. You know, like this is my guys. This is my group. There's no weak link here. And I think that this starting five is, uh, you know as good as any starting five in the country. I agree.
1: I think it was basically saying not one guy is more important than another. I'm not choosing four because we were wondering that, you know, we texted um, Stevie Mitchell yesterday and asked him if he was going and he said, yes. So then we were like, oh, is Cam not going? Is Joplin not going? Um, And we finally got to figure out that they were going to bring all five. Um, I Kolek got a lot of attention today, Um, rightfully so. You know, a lot of the questions focused in, on the chip he has on his shoulder and saying, well, you like being the hunter, you know, fuck him. You know, his uh, message from last year, how are you going to keep that chip on his shoulder? And he basically what he at least told me was um, people are working just as hard as me every day. That's how I'm going to keep my chip on my shoulder. We didn't win it all last year. That's how I'm going to keep my chip on my shoulder. I don't pay attention to this preseason stuff. That's how I keep my chip on the shoulder.
0: And that's pretty consistent with the character he's built over the last year. Uh, two years with Marquette. Um, this is a kid who's internally motivated. He doesn't need motivation coming from the outside. And uh, it, that's often a very successful mix for athletes.
1: Yeah. Um, talked to Oso for a minute. Asked him what, you know, he had not gone through the NBA draft process, but these guys are getting so much information from NBA um, executives. And I asked them, you know, what they had, what their feedback was. Oso basically said, I need to show a little bit more versatility, and I need to be able to shoot the ball a little bit more. Um, So I asked him, are you going to let it fly this year? And he said, yes. So look for and Godaro shooting threes.
0: I didn't know that you asked him that question because I separately had asked him about whether there was any thought into entering the NBA Combine last season. He said yes, but he felt there was unfinished business at Marquette, and that's why he decided to come back for this season, uh, which I thought was really interesting. I also asked him, you know, how different does this media day feel than last year's media day? Obviously, last year you were picked ninth. This year, you're second team all Big East. You're picked number one. You're sitting next to the Big East player of the year preseason. So it doesn't feel any different. We don't pay any attention to all these awards that are getting given out.
1: Um, and Shock has got them locked in, um, believing that they are still the hunter uh, hunter instead of the hunted. Um, and I and Kolek even said at one point, we want to go in every game and attack it so that we are the hunter within that game. And I was like, oh, that's a really, you know, he's he's going to look at that game-to-game basis rather than, you know, big picture, which is, I think you said it best, consistent with his character.
0: Hmm. All right. As you alluded to earlier, the only other team to receive any first-place votes was your Creighton Blue Jays. We had the opportunity to speak with a few of the Blue Jays. So let's put three minutes on the clock. And uh, Ty, you want to lead off?
1: Yeah, so... Um, the- Creighton brought Cockbrenner Trey Alexander and Greg McDermott um I guess'll and Baylor Charman. Um I guess I'll start with because you got to talk to McDermott actually for a little bit um the only main things I did is I talked to Cockbrenner and Trey about the NBA combine um, things they're looking for the Cockbrenner stuff's pretty obvious um if you're a big East fan they want him to get stronger and they want him to be able to shoot the ball more. Um, he's already playing great defense in the paint but that's what they're looking for um trey when we talked to him they said that you know they want him to be playing on the ball a little bit more um and be you know show the capability of being that point guard um and i you know he said that he's gonna let it fly from three a little bit more i asked him one of us asked him is it you know motivation that you have baylor shireman sitting right next to you who'll let it fly from anywhere and he said yeah we're gonna let it fly this year especially ashworth who will let it fly from anywhere
0: Yeah. And I actually thought that was some of the most interesting information we got today. Uh, Greg McDermott also talked about how they may be moving to more of a dual point guard role. He mentioned, um, you know, that he has a big responsibility to Trey Alexander because Trey chose to come back to Creighton and he has a responsibility to help Trey, um, you know, kind of fulfill what these NBA scouts were looking for. And what they're looking for is for him to have the ball in his hands. So Greg McDermott talked a lot about having Ashworth play off the ball, have the ball and try Alexander's His. And he also said something really interesting. He talked he said he was originally afraid that he was gonna have to really dictate which possessions, which point guard had the ball. But he said it's really come about organically. Uh and they take turns, they take possessions, and they both understand both positions. So they are able to, you know, flip every other possession. But I think there's something really interesting and really different that we'll see from Creighton this year where Ryan Nemhard was such a true point guard, had the ball in his hands every time up the court. Um,
1: again, because I did more of the player's side and you did more of the coach side, I'll speak again to Kalkbrenner. I specifically asked because he had a really interesting quote if you're a UConn fan from last year about, um, you know, he kind of downplayed Adama Sanogo. I'm not, you know, whatever. But I did ask him specifically, are there any teams that you're looking forward to the most? And he said, he started with, well, you know, Marquette and UConn. And then he quite literally named every other team and said, I don't want to forget anyone and disrespect any team. And he he got like all the way to Butler and stuff. And I think he just forgot which teams he had named at that point. It was just like, I'm not here to, you know, and I said, I'm not trying to get a gotcha quote. I'm just interested if there was a team. Um I did talk to him also. I thought, you know, when Ryan Kalkbender came in the league, he was a backup center for Creighton. And I kind of asked him, what is it like going from being a backup center to now being the center of the Big East? And he kind of – he said, it's really cool. I learned – he said, actually, I learned a lot from Christian Bishop um, while he was there. And he, you know, basically just talked about, like, how there's so many good bigs in the league. I mean, he looks
0: at it as a challenge every night. Okay. Um, The third team in the preseason rankings – was the Yukon Huskies, the reigning national champions. Um, Talk about a mob. If you walked in there and you didn't know what you were looking at, you would say, why is this one table so different than all the other tables? I mean, people were standing on crates to get better shots and videos of that Yukon Husky booth. We really did not get to approach it at all. But I did get a moment to speak with Tristan Newton on the side. And that was pretty interesting. He said some interesting things. started off with asking him, uh, following up on his very famous quote after winning the national championship, you don't have to call me a point guard, just call me a national champion. I asked him, should we also be calling him a point guard? He said, no, it doesn't really matter. National champion is the most important. Yeah,
1: quite literally my question that you took and we talked about on the train and then all of a sudden I looked at it over and Ryan was talking to Tristan Newton about that.
0: Listen, you got to be quick, guys. All right. He was dilly-dallying. I got in there. I, I got to ask a question. But after that, we talked a little bit about his NBA Combine experience and what it's like being at UConn without that big three that didn't return. The NBA Combine stuff was very interesting. He, uh, he talked about what the scouts his feedback was, that it wasn't so much things to do with on the court, but that they're looking for him to show more maturity and leadership off of the court. So I think that that's a really interesting task that he was given, a really interesting challenge from those NBA scouts, and we'll see how it plays out this year.
1: Yeah, he also discussed that, you know, and I think this goes hand in hand without Dre, Sonogo, and Hawkins. He discussed being a more vocal leader um, on the team, and I think, you know, this media day was a good start for him. Um, I do think there are some notes that we can just say about uh, what we saw. Clingon's still in a boot. Um, that's, you know, that's always going to be interesting to people. Clingon is in a boot. still huge massive dude and i'll say one of the coolest moments for me for big east media day is we walked in the hallway and donovan clingan and cam spencer and alex carabin and tristan newton are standing there but they're all talking to someone and i couldn't figure out who they were talking to and then all of a sudden i round the corner and they're having a very long conversation with gino and i was like this is like the yukon basketball you know passing it down royalty um and it you know to me it showed that gino's willing to help out the team and it showed that they're still not too big-headed and they'll listen
0: yeah and i don't know exactly what alex caravan was referring to but i did catch him tell gino we should have beat them by 20 which i think may have been in reference to a secret scrimmage that has been leaked recently so uh do with that what you will but yeah that was a really cool moment they brought we didn't mention this but they brought cam spencer donovan and tristan newton and
1: alex caravan alex caravan
0: thank you very much
1: yeah. They were mobbed though. Ryan's right. I mean, we couldn't even get in there or else we would have dedicated our whole time to them. Um, Dan Hurley was, they referenced Dan Hurley about 50 times. Val Ackerman continued to say Dan Hurley must be very proud. Thank you Dan Hurley for bringing it home, you know, whatever. He'll never get tired of hearing about it. So um, he did have a conversation with Rick Petino to start, which, you know, he probably had a conversation with everyone, but when a hall of famer talks to a national champion, it's always interesting.
0: All right, the fourth team on the list is the Villanova Wildcats, and you got to speak with one of the first-team preseason All-Big East players. What was that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, one of the few times I was a little starstruck because Justin Moore, you always hear these are 18- to 22-year-old kids. Justin Moore doesn't carry himself like an 18- to 22-year-old kid. He is very stoic, um, articulate. I asked him, uh, you know, being another year off the Achilles injury, how does he feel? Um about it. He said he's all the way back to normal. He is back to, you know, his expectation. Um, we talked a little bit for people who don't know. There's kind of a torn Achilles club. If you tear your Achilles, you reach out to people and I asked him who had reached out. And he said him and Durant still talk. Kevin Durant still talked frequently. Um, so that was really cool. I didn't get a ton of time with him other than that. I just wanted to make sure, you know, he's healthy. I told him we were looking forward to him being back into form. Um, But then we moved on to Eric Dixon and you got to ask him about being a museum
0: curator. Well, this has been a really big topic of conversation in my household is that Eric Dixon's on the record multiple times mentioning that if he wasn't a basketball player, he would want to be a museum curator. So my one opportunity to speak with him, of course, I have to ask him about that. So I asked him what museum would he want to work at and why this is such a passion for him. He said he's really interested in the African-American Smithsonian Museum in Washington, DC. African American History Museum, I believe. Um, and he just spoke at length about, you know, how he's really loved trivia as a kid and he loves reading. And he's really, you know, he seems like a, such an academic and well-spoken young man that just happens to be six foot nine and one of the best college basketball players in the conference. So it was really a pleasure getting to speak with him at that point. Yeah. And I when I spoke
1: to Dixon, I mean all these guys were really nice. I can't say anything bad, you know, but he was one of those. I said like, Hey, we know we had your dad on the podcast. He's a teacher. And so am I. And his first question is, Oh, what do you teach? Like he was very personable. He wanted to ask questions. I asked him about, you know, what he's looking for in the NBA. He said, versatility. He talked at length with me about um, how he looks at every night, kind of like Cockburner of being a challenge. Um, And then I reminded him, you gave Cockburner 31 last year. And he said, He kind of grinned about it and said, yeah. Um, But he looked at every night as a challenge. He said he's totally fine with playing the five because there were some rumblings about that. Um, You know, if he wanted to play the four or the five, he said, this is what I've been doing since high school. Um, He was totally cool about it. So Eric Dixon and Justin Moore, really well-spoken, articulate young men. Um, And uh,
0: not a ton of availability from Coach Neptune. He seemed to make himself scarce. That was a current thing for a few of the coaches you'll hear throughout the rest of this podcast. But, so we didn't get to ask him many questions, but we did catch up with those two players. Um did you see the quote from Neptune that Justin Moore was never at more than like 80% last year?
1: No, I didn't see that, but that makes sense. And that's scary because he still put up like 13 a game when he came back.
0: Right. But your number five team in the preseason rankings was also the home team. They had the advantage yeah. at this arena. Uh, it was your St. John's. Red Storm. And if Yukon was, you know, 10 out of 10 mob, St. John's was nine and a half out of ten mob. Those were by far the two busiest booths. So again, we didn't get an opportunity to speak with any of them directly, but you did see, you know, a couple of interesting things from Rick Pitino, you know, going on throughout the
1: arena. Is that correct? Yeah, Rick Rick Pitino was the local politician. He was going over to everybody. He had a long conversation with Sheehan Holloway that I was able to take a picture of. He had a long conversation with Dan Hurley when he started, when he walked in. Um, he just kind of was everywhere except at his booth for a lot of the time. Um, Soriano and Dennis Jenkins were the two that he brought. You know, I, I did find it interesting that he didn't bring, um, and we talked about this with someone, that they didn't bring any interconference conference transfers right. um, because – And we talked about it just a little behind the scenes. A lot of these guys get media trained um, where they are, you know, have to go through as freshmen, this training of what to say and what not to say. And when you're a transfer, obviously, you might not be St. John's media trained. But I did think maybe like a Naeem Aline would be there because he is – because he's Big East media trained. He went to UConn last year. um, And then his girlfriend came later. So I thought Naeem Aline might be there, but I didn't – I didn't want to say a whole lot, but do you have anything on it? I don't really, you know, Rick well, Pitino.
0: such a telling sign that the two people he brings is Joel Soriano, the one guy he kept from St. John's, and Dennis Jenkins, the point guard he had for several years over at Iona. I believe that he's really going to rely on those two as his team leaders, his team captains. They seem to be taking on that role, and everybody else is going to fill in in between.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to look at Joel Soriano and say – I need a double-double every game. Oh, one thing we could talk about is that double overtime scrimmage against Rutgers that happened at Carneseca uh, where St. John's ended up winning. Uh, Do you have any takeaways of that?
0: Naheem Alin hit a buzzer beater in single overtime to send it to double overtime. It's just a wild sequence. Yeah. I think there was like two offensive rebounds on that sequence. He ends up hitting that shot with like half a second left. Um. yeah, really freaking cool that college basketball's back. That's what I thought when I saw that.
1: Yeah, I actually end up, you know, Rutgers is near and dear to our heart because one of our good friends is a Rutgers fan. Um, and he's – so I know that team isn't quite projected to be as good as they were last year or ha- as good as they're going to be next year. So, I don't – you know, it's a scrimmage. It means literally nothing. But, you know, an interesting barometer, and I'm sure Patino, uh, you know, had a few takeaways from that.
0: All right, that'll wrap up our St. John's section, we'll move over to – Those are the only two
1: teams we didn't talk to, were UConn and St. John's.
0: Yes, yes, they were. And we'll move over to the Xavier Musketeers, put three minutes on the clock. Now, I had the opportunity – so they brought Quincy Oliveri, Desmond Claude, and Davion McKnight. So that's two transfers, and then the freshman who's now, you know, coming into his sophomore season, Desmond Claude. I had the opportunity to talk to Sean Miller for a little bit of time, Um, So first I asked him about Desmond Claude and what his projection is, because he brings in two guards. Um, I asked him, does he see Desmond Claude as more of a wing going forward and more of a point guard or more playing the role that Colby Jones did? He said that, you know, it really depends that, you know, he doesn't necessarily need a strict definition of what Desmond Claude is going to be, but that he does foresee Desmond Claude being on the court with Davion McKnight and Quincy. Oliveri, I believe his exact words were he's a playmaker, um, which I thought was, you know, he's kind of skirting the question, but I th- understood he's going to have all three of those guards on the court at the same time. Um, and then I, I followed up to ask about what his uh, situation with is at the four and he, uh, the first name that he comes out with is this kid, Lazar Djokovic from Serbia, I believe, incoming freshman. He said he's looked very good in practice and right now he's projecting to be their starting floor. Um, And then he just spoke a little bit about why he's had so much success with international players. And, you know, he said he believes that's the future of the game. Uh, The game's getting popular across Europe. He has staff that are tasked with keeping up with the youth teams in Europe and uh, he scouts them and he looks for the right players for his program.
1: Um, I, I stuck more with the players, uh, and uh, watched Ryan talk to Sean Miller, but um, made sure, you know, I talked to, we thank Quincy for coming onto our podcast. He's one of our most recent guests. Um, And he's, I said, is this everything you thought it'd be? And he said he hasn't stopped quote unquote cheesing since he got here and was just smiling, looking around at everything. Um, And then I actually, I went up to ask Desmond Claude, kind of a tongue in cheek question because he's from Connecticut. So I asked him where his favorite pizza spot was because he's from New Haven. And he said, Pepe's. And then I said, you know, do you? is it special when you come play at UConn? And he said, well, last year I had a huge chip on my shoulder and I took it really, really personally when we played UConn. And I felt like it was like the first time where somebody kind of like let their guard down, where they were like, oh, no, I'm pissed because like I – and it kind of seemed like he wanted to be recruited by UConn and didn't.
0: It's a a great quote because – him and Donovan Klingon were the two best high school recruits out of Connecticut that year. Desmond Claude never gets an offer from UConn. Obviously, Donovan Klingon's pursued, you know, I mean, Danny Hurley's going to Bristol Central Public School, you know, basketball games all season long. So it's, it is really interesting that he would uh admit to that.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, Xavier had a lot of success with transfers last year. And hopefully, you know, with some of these injuries, they're able to respond and, you know, have a lot more luck again.
0: That moves us over to the Providence Friars, who are picked seventh in the Big East preseason. Bullshit. Um, Tyler, we had an opportunity to speak with several of the Providence Friars. You want to lead us off?
1: Yeah, so um, they brought Josh Adoro, um, the center from George Mason. They brought Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. Um, first of all, I'd like to just say, Josh Adoro, if you're listening, you are probably one of the nicest people in the world. Um, asked him how his foot was. He said he's totally fine. He'll be back. Um I kind of then said, you know, Josh, you have the best scouting report on Kim English of anybody. What do you, what are they getting in you? And he said a free-flowing offense, toughest nails defense. I said, is that something that, you know, your benefits your game? He says he wants to shoot a lot of threes this year, um, and he likes getting up and down the court. Um, we talked to Bryce Hopkins a lot. Um, we talked about how last year he kind of went in as an unknown. He was a transfer from Kentucky who didn't play a lot. And this year he's kind of the hunted player. He's an all biggies first team player. And he said, you know, he's changed his body. He's lost about twelve or four to fourteen pounds. Um, he's trying, you know, he's gonna shoot a lot more threes, Kim English said. And he understands that people are gonna game plan for him more, but how can he do his best to game plan for the game plan if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, he said he kept saying you want to have a counter. He knows that the, they're going to game plan him a certain type of way, whatever that may be. We're not sure at this point what, what the defensive schemes will be uh, to try to take away his strength. But he knows he has to have a counter to that. And I thought that was really interesting. You can tell that NBA is on his mind. He even mentioned it in our short conversation. He said, if you have you know goals of moving to the NBA, which I do. yeah." Um, so I, I believe he's gotten into this kind of shape because he's looking to be in the NBA this time next year. Uh, He also, we talked a little bit about Kim English and his decision to stay there. He really gave all the credit to athletic director Knapp over at Providence. He said, you know, he called him after I'd Cooley left and said, hey, like, just just wait until I pick a coach, you know, give us some time. And uh, when he met Kim English and Kim English came in and apparently Kim English had a very structured idea of what it was going to take to get Bryce Hopkins to the NBA. And Hopkins loved it. I mean, listen, Kim English has such a advantage because he played in the nba so he was telling hopkins you know what where he went wrong in his nba career why he wasn't as successful as he wishes he could have been so i thought it's one of our more interesting conversations
1: yeah i think we should push this past three minutes a little bit because i wanted i also asked adoro i said kim english tells you hey i want to i've just finished at george mason i want to go to um providence like are you good and he goes yeah kim english is my guy but I also want to play higher level basketball. So there was no hesitancy once Kim English said he was leaving. Um And do you want to talk a little bit more about the Kim English conversation? I thought he gave us a lot of really good
0: insight. Wicked smart. Wait, he really. Um, so one of the most interesting things he said was he kind of mentioned in passing that he doesn't think Bryce Hopkins is a big. He thinks he's mislabeled. So I asked him, I said, you know, would you classify him as a wing? He says Yes. He says, "I only believe there's four positions in basketball. You got point guard, you got combo guard, you got wing, and you got center." So Bryce Hopkins is a wing. So then my brother, who's a very intelligent man, says, "Well, what would you qualify Garway Dwell as?" And he says and point he, guard. Yeah, which was kind of surprising to us. You look at Garway Dwell's uh, size and length. You you think he could be classified as a wing, but. I thought that was a really interesting insight into Kim English and how he sees this Providence basketball team.
1: Yeah, and it led me – you know, I was – people started gathering, but um, will he play Garway Duel and uh, Jaden Pierre at the same time if he's classifying them both as point guards? Is he fine with playing two point guards at the same time? Um, Kim English is an intense man who I think understands the opportunity. One of my favorite quotes was before this. He said um, – when someone else was asking, they said, you know, what do you say to the people who are basically saying you took, you took a big leap. And he said, I don't have a response to that. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, okay. It's like he, he was all business. It was like, he was like, I'm going to show you, this is what I'm about. This is what I do. Here I am. Yeah.
0: He did. He also said he wants to see Bryce Hopkins and Josh Adoro shoot a lot more threes this season. So that's something to look forward to if you are watching a Providence Friars, but that moves us over to your Georgetown Hoyos. Um And we're not going to have a lot to go here, so we could probably do this in just about a minute. They brought Jay Heath. They brought Jaden Epps. They brought Wayne Bristol. They brought Drew Fielder. And I'm going to blank
1: on the. bring Wayne Bristol. But um Georgetown, one of the interesting things I think people would be in- – uh, interesting things people would be interested in, duh. Um, Ed Cooley was obviously there. Ed Cooley was defiant in a lot of ways, but mo- most, most of his quotes were the same as they were last year at this time. Um, I understand why Providence is mad. I get why Providence is mad. I hope one day they can, you know, I'll always be a kid from Providence. I hope maybe they can forgive me one day. Um, people did ask, so I thought it'd be interesting if we, they asked about um, how Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter greeted him. It was all hugs. Devin uh, Bryce Hopkins even said, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. I want to be in the NBA. So I understand that people are going to be bounced around. Um, I'm grateful basically for what he gave me. Um, so
0: the fifth player they brought was Dontre Styles, the UNC transfer. They were the only, only there's only two teams that brought five transfers, and, and that wasn't their starting five, we don't believe. So
1: Well, Masood is hurt. Masood broke his hand, which came out the other day. So he's going to miss six to eight weeks. Um, So that's an interesting thing. Georgetown's really down to about eight scholarship, nine scholarship players. Um, This is going to be a thin group to start the year. But, you know, at the same time, Ed Cooley's going to baptism by fire with that team.
0: And here's a little scoop. Off the record, one of our friends at, uh, you know, as uh, he was leaving Georgetown's table, he said, good luck to Cooley." Cooley said, we're going to need it.
1: Yeah. I, that's not probably what they want to hear, but yeah.
0: I mean, he's a pretty blatant upfront guy. And I think that it's pretty much accepted in DC this year that next year is the year we're looking at. They got two of the top five recruits in the big East coming in next year. And, um, I'm gonna butcher their names, so I'm gonna pass. But they do have two of the top five yeah. incoming recruits. Well, at, at the end of the it's day, out-out I out-out the culture.
1: At the end of the day, this year is a lot about Ed Cooley and the culture. I, I, you took it right before I was gonna say. it. I don't think this year, you know, players matter, and I'm not trying to say anything about it. But you're gonna be looking for them to be competitive. You're gonna be looking for them to be better than they were the last, you know, couple years. Um, but I did find it interesting that Cooley. Has not changed his tune one bit from the end of the season. He is still, I love Providence. You know, good luck. But I made a decision. Change is okay. And I know Providence fans probably are like a few still, but.
0: Yeah, but to be fair, what the hell is he going to say? Like, I made a mistake? Well,
1: maybe
0: maybe one day he will think that. I think Uh, he will, personally. Moving over to the number nine team would be your Seton Hall Pirates. Shaheen Holloway, Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawes, and Dre Davis represented the Seton Hall Pirates at the Big East Media Day. I had the opportunity to talk to Shaheen Holloway a little bit. Um, We talked about, you know, naming those three captains, which were the three people that um, came to Big East Media Day with him that I just mentioned he said that, you know, they earned it and, and uh, you know, they've earned it all year long. I asked him, what does it mean to be a captain in the Seton Hall system? He says, you know, they just need to show up every day. They need to be everyday guys. Can't have bad days. Um, so it's very clear if you've been paying attention this offseason that he's going to rely on those three guys. He goes, those are three of the only knowns he ha- has in this system right now.
1: Quickly, the first person I talked to all media day to get my feet wet was Kadari Richmond. I asked him, are you a point guard or a point forward? Um, he basically said, Call me whatever you want, which is a fair answer. And um, but he did say, you know, I I you can call me a point guard, but I feel like I can guard one through five, he said. And I said, Well, because originally I said, Do you feel like you can guard one through four? He said, I want to change that. I think I can guard one through five, which you should have that confidence. Um, and you get switched, whatever happens. But, you know, good for good for him for having that confidence.
0: Yeah, I also asked Holloway about, you know, in a league with such good big men, Don McLean, Ryan Clarkbrenner, Joel Soriano, you know, what is your plan to stop them? Obviously, all your big men from last year are no longer with the team. He said, I believe I have a three-headed monster in Betty Elijah Hutchins, and I'm going to forget the third guy's name. Um, Sanders? No, Jaquan Sanders, their guard. With another incoming transfer for Seton Hall Pirates. Um, so he seems like he's going to have a deep bench. He's going to have a lot of rotation, and he's going to try to kill you with bodies.
1: Yeah, and listen, his first four are Big East worthy, you know, Big East worthy player, Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawes, Davis, and Dylan Nadea-Wusu. Um, Those are, you know, Big East players have proven they can, all four of them have proven they can do it in the Big East. If they can get any production from their big, I think they can outperform this, um, you know, where they're at at number nine on this list.
0: Yes. I have one more quote from Holloway I want to share. This is one of my favorite quotes of the day. I asked him, were any of the the transfers leaving a surprise to you? And he thought about it for a moment. I didn't think he was going to give me an answer. When he says, Tyrese was kind of a surprise. He had the best season of his career last year and then he left. Um, I thought that was very telling. That was on the record. So, I you know, I'm not, I can't get in trouble for saying that here, but. I don't think he planned on building this team the way he had to build it after the transfers left. Let's uh, say that. Yeah.
1: Well, he's, you know, he's rebuilt. And like I said, I think if those front four give you the production, they can, and you can get anything from a big. I think Seton Hall and Providence are my teams that are underrated right now in the Big East.
0: Okay. That's that's,
1: that's, eh, underrated. I mean, someone has to be. Ryan, you'll never guess who I believe is overrated. Is it Slick Rick? Is it Slick Rick? Rick gives me the ick.
0: Yeah. And hate- number 10 in your Big East preseason poll is straight at Indianapolis, your Butler Bulldogs, Thad Mata, Jamil Telfort, and Jamel Thomas were yeah. the representation for the Butler Bulldogs. Tyler, how much did we see of Thad Mata?
1: Uh, Thad Mata made himself very scarce. Um, I think I bumped into him once and said, sorry, coach. Um, and that was about it. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about their polling. Um, Because I find it interesting, if you look at the tiers for the Big East, if you have the points next to them, I don't know if you have what you're looking at. What they did, the Big East voters did, was they put Creighton and Marquette in the same tier. They put UConn and Villanova in the same tier. They put St. John's, Villanova, and Providence in the same tier. Then they put Georgetown and Seton Hall in the same tier. And then Butler and DePaul are only one point apart. Listen, I'm not one to sit here and and, you know, say that voters get it wrong because someone has to come in 10th in the conference. The talent that Butler has on that team, I think might be very real. And I understand, I don't believe in Thad. Thad is bad. Rick gives me the ick. You heard it here first. But you bring in Telford, who is a bona fide scorer. Finley Bizjack, who is a uh, hundred top 100 recruit. Dre, uh, DJ Davis, who is a fantastic shooter from all, you know, accounts and purposes. Landon Moore, who had a good season last year. And you have Thomas in the middle there. Listen, do I think it's a top-five team? But do I think it's on the level of DePaul? Absolutely not.
0: But listen, could it be a reflection of what the Big East coaches think of the Butler coach? Because, look, you know they love Ed Cooley, and they have Georgetown 8. He's got eight scholarship players, and they already have him 8th in the conference.
1: Yeah, but I don't understand. Thad Mata is a legendary coach with a – Hall of Fame-ish resume. I thought you guys, Big East coaches, love that. Because if some a 72-year-old does it, all of a sudden we love it.
0: It was very interesting that they didn't bring Pasha Alexander to Big East Media Day. You already kind of touched on that. We think it might be because it could have been a little sensitive for him coming back to Madison Square Garden. We would have loved to see him. Obviously, he's going to be one of the leaders of the Butler Bulldogs. So um, he just skipped Big East Media Day. I guess you can't blame him at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, we don't.
1: I don't want to – I think the connotation between Skip is that he had a choice. We don't have any idea if he had a choice. No,
0: yeah. Home. I don't mean it like that.
1: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and we. I don't think his uh, uh, relationship with Rick Pitino is great at the end. Um, you know, Posh was offered the chance to stay at some points, and we've heard it didn't end well. So, um, Adeyawusu and um, Posh Alexander didn't come, but I hope Posh Alexander gives everyone hell this year.
0: Amen and hallelujah. And that just leaves one more team. You're the Paul Blue Demons who brought Jeremiah Odin and Tyler Stahl.
1: I'm stalling they were supposed to bring Jalen Terry. Jalen Terry didn't come. We were surprised they didn't bring Deshaun Jet Nelson. Deshaun Nelson didn't come. Oh, if Ryan's no, going to look at in his program right now, they said Jalen Terry. I really feel bad that we don't know the guy they brought, but he's probably a nice guy.
0: Yeah, um it was the emptiest booth there. There's not a ton to say about DePaul that hasn't been said about DePaul at this point. They've had some really talented players come through their system, and they've had absolutely no team success over the last like 20 years. But they have as much talent in the NBA as almost any Big East program. Um, Javon Johnson's been playing in, in the preseason. NBA starts tonight, so he'll go down to the G League. Javon Freeman, Liberty has had really successful preseason. They had no success at the ball. um.
1: Yeah, JFL actually uh, got um, picked up. He's going to be starting – not starting, but he made the Raptors or Bulls one of those red teams. Max Strauss was a huge part of a championship contending Miami Heat team last year. Yeah, I mean, listen, Stubblefield, you know, I can't even really – he seemed like a really nice guy. Wish I had had a chance to talk to him, but I would have to see more about what this team is. Um, before I could even ask him a question. Did a whole nice thing about coaches versus cancer. So
0: Yeah, see I mean, listen, nobody's questioning him as a man. Um, but as a coach, I don't believe he'll be there at Big East Media Day 2024 unless they have a significant turnaround of fortunes.
1: I will say may and I was told all the ADs were there, but the AD from DePaul I thought was very active. He was um walking around. He's also kind of a larger man, so it's so, a Maybe I just saw him a little bit more, you know, because he kind of has a presence about him. Um, he also has an online presence where a lot of them don't. Um, so I thought that was interesting that he was kind of, it was kind of Stubblefield and the AD at all times where for some of these, other than Nat for Providence, you looked around and I didn't see Benedict there um, for UConn. I didn't uh,
0: recognize Benedict. I believe the Marquette AD was there.
1: They said all, Val said all 11 ADs were there.
0: Oh, no could I didn't so.
1: Notice most I, of them. That's what I'm saying. So, the only two I noticed were Knapp, who was standing near Kim English, and the uh, DePaul AD. So, I found that interesting, at least. You know, like, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, I'm going to make my presence felt and whatever. Um, I did he- overhear him talking that he knew, you know, basically that he said, we do know that we are at the bottom for the Big East um, for basketball for men. He said we're in the middle of the pack for women, though. So, that was pretty cool.
0: So. Well, that's all 11 teams. That wraps up our media day. We had a blast. Is there anything else you want to say, Todd?
1: No, I mean, that was honestly so cool. The amount of access that we had to these players, um, great guys. We really didn't have any bad interactions. Media members were really cool, too. Um, we, we made it clear that we wanted to go see the teams that didn't have UConn-level lines to them, so maybe they wouldn't have been as cool if we were trying to push ourselves in there. But, I mean, you know, just really nice people. Everyone we've had on was awesome to us. Um, one of the coolest moments. And I'm not trying to toot our own horn or anything, but, again, this is possible because of you guys. Stevie Mitchell saw us first and came over and said what's up to us, which is incredibly cool because we've only seen him through a computer screen and, you know, just very personable. Um, we're looking forward to getting some more guys on, um, bringing you your favorite players. And kind of, you know, reinvigorated my um, love for college basketball for this season because, you know, it's a long off season. It's a cold off season. Well, it's a warm off season, but uh, I'm I'm ready to go and I'm I'm excited
0: for it now. I'm pumped. Hi, get you ready to go. Um, again, we want to thank you. We appreciate it. And if you could always check out our Instagram, follow and like us there, Big East Barroom. Check us out on X, Big East Barroom, Follow and like, interact. That's how we get all these opportunities, and we just want to bring these opportunities to you. So uh, the more you interact with us, the better the opportunities will be. And as always, thanks for pulling up a stool.